the game of football is constantly evolving. So as an evaluator, you have to be doing the same thing. You know, the moment you think that, uh, you know, you know it all, you've, you've made it, that kind of, you're, you're cooked, you're done. Um, so it's, you know, Tony Gwynn, one of the best uh, hitters in baseball history, uh, has a, a great quote about how you, you can't rest on what you did yesterday. You have to strive to get better each and every single day or you're just going to get lost. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Hello and welcome to another episode of Up Close in Personnel. As the bookend to an awesome first season, we are joined by none other than NFL draft extraordinaire, Dane Brugler. Dane, who is the lead NFL draft analyst for The Athletic, most recently covered the NFL draft for CBS Sports. In this episode, we touch on what it takes to be a good evaluator, who all Dane has learned from, his process for learning and developing in the craft, and future challenges that are going to be presented to evaluators both at the college and pro levels due to COVID-19. Now, if you're a film junkie, recruiter, scout, or just love the draft, this is a peek inside the mind of one of the very best in the business right now. To follow Dane's work, be sure to check him out on Twitter at DPBrugler, and also be sure to check out The Athletic. While we close out season one of Up Close and Personnel on episode number 20, I'd be absolutely remiss if I didn't touch on how much I appreciate all the love and support you all as listeners have shown. Due to COVID-19, the return to the office, and just the craziness that this time has presented in college football, I'm hitting the pause button until next month when we start to settle into hopefully having a real season. During this moment of pressing pause and preparing for season number two on Up Close and Personnel, be sure to check us out on our official website, upcloseandpersonnel.com, for more content and links to previous episodes. With all that being said, it's time now to introduce our guest, Dane Brugler. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. Dane, welcome to the show. Alex, how are you, man? I'm good. Back in the office, and the uh, season has not been canceled yet. Uh, we're obviously dealing with a lot of crazy things in college football. So just for our listeners out there, we're recording this on a Tuesday in your world from a draft perspective, this is crazy. And that's something that I really want to touch on in a bit, but, you know, jumping right into the questions in your mind, you know, you, you deal with the draft every year, you talk to scouts, you talk to college coaches, um, you're in it. And, you know, from your perspective, what makes somebody a good evaluator? Well, you know, I think for the most part, uh, what makes someone a good evaluator is being a good self-evaluator. Um, understanding that, like, you're going to make mistakes, um, but it's important to learn from those mistakes uh, and make the appropriate changes to your process. Uh, it's important to be confident, but not so overconfident that you're stubborn. Um, you know, the ability to constantly be adaptable to evaluate yourself, uh, that is, that's critical in, in the evaluation process. So, um, I that's definitely something that um, has been present for me uh, that I've, I've learned along the way. Uh, I think uh, something else I've learned that the best evaluators are often the ones who uh, find the untapped ability and they understand the why. Uh, that often comes from just paying attention to the smallest details. You know, the details 
uh, that's everything in this business. The details are incredibly important. And in most cases, I think those details are evident just by, just by being observant. You know, it's, it's not like it's some scouting genius where, um, you know, you, it, it does take, you know, a trained eye, but it's not like it's a, you have to crack the code. It just, it comes, it just comes down to being observant and recognizing those details. So, um, and then I think the last thing I would mention uh, for being a good evaluator is just being incredibly thorough, but also keeping things simple. You know, there's so many variables when you're evaluating everything. Uh, so it's really easy to overcomplicate things. So I think I've learned that keeping your process streamlined uh, and simplistic, uh, you know, keeping your objectives, your goals clear uh, with what you're trying to identify, I, that's just the best way to go. And you've learned from, from a bunch of really good ones. Um, I know Gil Brandt's one of those guys. Brian Broad is someone who you worked with a ton with Dallas Cowboys. But I guess who are, who are the best evaluators that you've been around and, and why? Yeah, no, you're right. I've been blessed with the, uh, the people that have you know, mentored me along the way, taking me under their wing. Brian Broaddus, who, um, you know, won a Super Bowl as a member of the Packers front office in, what, 96. And, you know, he ran the draft for the Eagles in 98. He worked for the Cowboys for a lot of years. Now he's on the media side. And, you know, he, uh, I met him in Dallas and, you know, we forged a friendship. And, you know, that turned into a lot of draft work and a lot of late nights watching tape and, um, we bounce a lot of stuff to, to this day. You know, we, we are constantly in contact, bouncing stuff off each other. Uh, Gil Brandt is um, one of those things where it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I pick up my phone and it says Gil Brandt on it, I'm stopping and I'm answering. And, um, you know, he's, he, he's great. He's been a huge mentor for me. Um, I, you know, I think Alonzo Highsmith, uh, another one, um, he's always willing to talk shop, um, offer up what he's learned throughout his career. He's been um, you know, it's, it's, you know, learning from him, I think really opened my eyes, just how good he is at his job. Um, you know, I, I've, I'll, I've always learned to have a notepad handy when I'm talking to Alonzo because he comes up with so many good things, little tidbits that I'm able to introduce into my scouting. Um, you know, they, it, according to Alonzo, the most important trait is how a player performs in space. And that's something that was simple, but just, you know, kind of revolutionary for me. Like I looked at tape a little bit different after that. Um, and one other guy I'd mentioned is Chris Ballard, who he's just one of the best in the business. He, he's, you know, he, he might have been able to help me out more with personal advice and scouting advice, um, but he's still one of the best evaluators I've been around. Yeah. And the thing about Alonzo is on the college side, he, he came through and we'd always cover Houston. He just has a way of disarming people like that he comes across and it's like, you know, like, even if you don't know him, you know, that guy. And it's not like he's just, you know, wasting time. Like he's getting to important information. He's, he's not just an evaluator, but he's also able to kind of like gather that information. And I know that that's a big thing in your side of things because, you know, you're putting together your draft guide and you're, you know, doing so many different things with the draft. Um, but you don't necessarily have the same resources as an NFL team, you know, just go inside any building. So um, how have those kind of influences helped you learn how to best gather information? Because you've got to be pretty resourceful in, in your process. No doubt, because I mean, there's just so much from the from the outside looking in, we just don't have access to whether it's medical reports, uh, character, uh, you know, just how do these guys act behind the scenes? You know, I don't.
I rely on the tape. That's where a lot of my work comes from. And, uh, you know, I, I, I lean on that. That's, that's the lifeblood of, of what I do. And it's the lifeblood of what any evaluator does, but it's not the entire equation. You know, the makeup of a player uh, is critical to kind of telling his story and projecting you know, where he's going to be uh, a year from now, five years from now. So uh, it, it's something that I think resourceful is a good word uh, in terms of describing how do you access that information. Um, and that comes to just that, that networking element of, uh, you know, talking to as many people as you can. Um, and that's really, and it's a tough thing because I'm not, I'm not a scouting department where, you know, there's me along with 20 other guys, uh, a handful of other guys, uh, you know, or people, uh, you know, trying to investigate and find out these players. I don't have an area. I'm evaluating all these guys. And so, you know, after you have to know after how many tapes, okay, that's enough. I feel like I have a good idea of them. Some, for some players, that's four tapes. For others, you know, that's that's eight or nine. That's a full season. It's maybe more than that to, before you really feel like you understand the player. And then it's okay. Well, when do you stop making phone calls? You know, when do you feel like you know who that player is uh, and where, you know, there's, there's no such thing as, you know, too many stones that you could look under for this information. So information gathering is a big part of what I do. Um, you know, I think the evaluation part, the scouting part um, in terms of studying the tape is a big part, but also just getting that information. And that comes from relationships. Um, you know, a lot of the people that are able to be behind closed doors, uh, you know, whether that, that that's people in the NFL, that's uh, my contacts at different uh, college campuses around the country, um, some of the agent business, uh, so many that I, you know, that my phone and texting and calling has become an integral part of what I do. Yeah. So then, you know, you talked about, you got to be able to self-evaluate as if in this field, like to be good and, and to get better at what you do and to not kind of be set in your ways. So when it comes to like your process and, and how you learn and how you develop what you do, um, is it a lot of that? Like what, what is, what goes into kind of your thought process when, when you put a draft to bed and you're getting ready for the next one, you finally have that time to kind of digest that last year and prepare for the next one. Um, what's your process for getting better? Yeah. And I, this, this is a really good question because, you know, if, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. I, I really do believe that. And so I, I'm not interested in, you know, just kind of staying where I am. Um, you know, I'm always trying to get better and it's not, it's not always an easy thing to do um, because you have to, you know, there's only so many hours in a day and, you know, I've, I've got two little kids and, you know, a lot of stuff going on at home with, um, you know, being a, the best family guy I can be, the best dad, husband I can be. Um, and so there are only so many hours in a day and you have to make sure you are maximizing each one of those hours, whether it's talking to someone, catching up with someone. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, I, I think the self-evaluation part can be lost and gone you know, to the wayside and something that maybe not everyone really invested, but it's something that I've really learned the importance, um, how important it is to invest in that. And, you know, it's a lot of it is uh, studying uh, NFL games and, you know, how are these prospects three years ago doing in the NFL now? Uh, if they're succeeding, why is that? If they're not, what happened? Um, and it's, it's not always a simple answer uh, because a lot of these guys will go to a situation that's maybe not a good fit. Uh, maybe, you know, there's something else going on behind the scenes with their family or the contract situation, things like that. So 
it, it can be incredibly difficult, but at the same time, it's important. And so, you know, you try to do that. You try to uh, figure out, you know, okay, if, if you missed on a guy, why did you miss? And then, you know, sometimes, you know, it's where I realized, okay, well, I focused too much on A and not enough on B. Other times it's, you know what, I nailed this evaluation. He's just going to a situation where, uh, you know, they're not using him to his strengths. And so it's being open to anything and everything. And so it's, it, the game of football is constantly evolving. So as an evaluator, you have to be doing the same thing. You know, the moment you think that, uh, you know, you know it all, you've, you've made it, that kind of, you're, you're cooked, you're done. Um, so it's, you know, Tony Gwynn, one of the best uh, hitters in baseball history, uh, has a, a great quote about how you, you can't rest on what you did yesterday. You have to strive to get better each and every single day or you're just going to get lost. And, and so that, that's big for me. And the process of learning, the process of growing, it, it's I don't think there's a de defined way to do it. It's just making sure you're talking to the right people, making sure you're maximizing uh, the time because there's only so many hours in a day. Uh, and time's the greatest, uh, you know, the best currency that we have because um, there's there's only so much of it. And um, so it's, it's just really important. So then I, I finally did this over this whole COVID. I, I took all my reports from Optimum Scouting and started going through those. Mm -hmm. And that was rough. I mean, going all the way back to right when I first started. And the thing that I kept on missing on uh, involved really two things. And it was injuries and it was production. You know, mm -hmm. if, if it was a one-year player, one-year starter, and just extrapolating off that and saying, oh, yeah, he can do this in the league with, that, with a very limited amount of, you know, production at the college level or guys that battled injuries and were never durable. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to know, and I think what those kind of boil down for me is just like, okay, production and being able to, you know, last and durability are two major traits uh, that you can't just overlook and assume that they're going to be there at the next level when it gets tougher and more difficult. What are some common themes or common issues you've seen with yourself? Some things that have tripped you up in the past that you had to adjust and be like, okay, I can't overlook X, Y, or Z. Well, yeah. And I think that's uh, culture and chemistry. I mean, anybody that's been around a football team or just you know, any, any team, uh, regardless of the sport, they, I think they understand um, how important culture and chemistry are. And that's, that needs to be present in your evaluations, understanding how is this player going to fit? And that could be tough from, um, you know, my standpoint, because I'm not scouting for a locker room, a specific team, a specific coaching staff. I'm doing a lot of generalities. And so when I'm doing an evaluation, it's, you know, he is ideal for, uh, you know, a three, four scheme, or he's ideal for, uh, you know, a cover three scheme, whatever, you know, like I'm trying to pinpoint where he is best. Whereas with, if I'm with a team, if I'm with a college program and I'm recruiting or I'm scouting, I am really being specific with what I'm looking for. And so, um, you know, you're, you're understanding what the culture is, the chemistry is of your organization and understanding what your coaches are looking for. Uh, not just the player, but the man and uh, whether or not that's going to be a good fit. So for me, I think it's, you know, the makeup of a player is something that, you know, because we don't get to be around these guys as much as scouts, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm, go, I'm paying my, you know, I used to pay my way to go to uh, uh, all-star games. That was kind of a way that I got my, 
foot in the door um, and now going to these all-star games in a working capacity and getting to know these players better. Um, I, I'm on the phone with these players throughout the fall, uh, throughout a lot of these seniors, asking them questions, finding out more about them. Uh, the combine, trying to be try to be as accessible uh, with these guys as I can, so I can learn more about them. Um, it's just it's uh, it's really something I talked about the details and how important that is. That, that that's that's everything. Understanding a player's makeup, um, and I think the other thing that uh, is trying to figure out the best way to introduce metrics and analytics into into scouting because, like I mean, this is you're dealing with emotional human beings here. So you can't just go with numbers on a page and say, um, you know, uh, success rate or, you know, whatever your favorite metric is, you can't, you can't just rely on that. So much more that goes into this. Um, and, you know, you can make the argument that college and NFL are two different sports, um, college football and the NFL. It's, it's so very different in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, just having stats on a page looks great, but that's just, that's part of the evaluation. And so, um, understanding how to introduce and implement the metric side, the analytic side, which because it's, it's incredibly important. You know, it's, we talked about information gathering and, you know, there's so many puzzle pieces out there. And it's up to us to gather as many pieces as we can and to, to best put those pieces together to give us the picture. Um, sometimes those puzzle pieces, uh, sometimes they're turned over. So you just see blank. And so it's, it's tough. And so you have to figure out the best way to do it. But, um, you know, I think, you mentioned how with medicals, um, you know, it, it's the greatest predictor of future injuries is past injuries. Well, I think it's kind of similar with character, you know, past performance is going to predict future achievement. You know, I think that's true in all aspects of life. Um, but especially in, in, you know, with football and, um, you know, with, with projecting these players. Now, some players grow, some mature, not all, they don't always do. And so it's just, uh, it, it could be really tough to evaluate the person. And that's where scouts are asked to be not only talent evaluators, but, uh, you know, uh, psychologists and, um, you know, it's just that uh, private detectives and, you know, they're asked to do so many different things to get the full scope of a player. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to what you said about like the best evaluators are going to figure out the why, or at least, try as hard as you can to, to get to the, okay, what is, what, what pushes this player, you know, and what's important to them. So that's awesome stuff. Normally I ask uh, people on the show kind of what they're listening to, what they're watching, what they're reading, but I think you're in a different situation. I think you could have some good uh, suggestions for people that are trying to get into scouting, trying to learn about the process. What are some books to recommend some podcasts to listen to? Um, you know, what, what would you advise somebody that's like trying to get better at scouting? Like what, what kind of content is out there that you would recommend? You know, I, I honestly, I've been, I've been trying to find um, something good recently uh, and I've been striking out. I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, I, I, you know, looking on my bookshelf, um, you know, there's, there's some John Wooden books, um, which is, you know, have been really important for me. Um, there's some more football, you know, or, scouting centric books like war room and um you know gridiron genius by michael lombardi and so you know there's i think i uh you know when i first started you know really diving in and reading and things like that i i i 
focused so much on scouting and not enough on maybe being a little more diverse um, with what I was reading and what I was consuming. Um, and, and because it's important to be a little, a little more versatile with what you're thinking. It's not just focusing on, okay, well, you know, I'm looking at a running back. I need to look at X, Y, Z traits, you know, that, that's important, but um, you know, getting the full scope, you know, read about coaching, read about, um, team building, reading about all these things. And so it's, uh, it's something that you try to get the full scope of. And honestly, I've been trying to find some, some good, uh, you know, literature lately, you know, when it comes to podcasts, I'm, uh, you know, there's, there's a few that I, I really enjoy, whether it's, uh, you know, move the sticks with Daniel Jeremiah, who's and, and Bucky Brooks, former NFL scouts that have been doing this. Um, you know, I think they're very smart, uh, with, uh, how they view things. Um, you know, I think that's definitely something that, um, you know, I, I'm constantly listening to. Um, and then, you know, I try to, you know, with, uh, my own podcast prospects, the pros try to uh, bring that in as well and try to, uh, bring different perspectives, try to educate as much as I can. And because, you know, if, if I can listen to a podcast and pick up one thing that maybe I didn't know, or one, one tidbit, one piece of advice, then, you know, it was well worth the, the 30 or 40 minutes that, that I was listening to the whole thing. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with that. And even like the Bill Polian one that started, it's a little long. It's, it's yeah. a little, uh, you know, I feel like every episode is like hour and a half, but that's good stuff. Um, and anytime and the, the, and the, uh, the Alex Brown one too, I heard that was, that oh, was yeah, that was okay. So I, <laughs> you know, when I listened to that, I was okay. This is, I'm learning. That's, this is good stuff. Shut up. Uh, so, <laughs> um, getting into your story, um, uh, you know, at Mountain Union, uh, yeah. is, is, uh, near and dear to your heart. Pierre Garcon's a, a player that kind of was the impetus for, you know, getting you in touch with a lot of people across the league. So kind of talk about, you know, your path to where you are now. Yeah. And, you know, so I grew up in Northeast Ohio, uh, which is a football crazed area. Um, and, you know, when, when the Browns came back to the league in 99, uh, I just, I became enamored with, uh, I had always liked football. But when the Browns came back in 99 and had that top pick, that's when I was really introduced and I dove headfirst into the draft and the scouting process. And I was, I was so invigorated by the evaluation size. At, at, at only 12 years old, I, I knew there was nothing else in this world that I wanted to do. And so the question became, okay, well, uh, how do you turn this dream into reality? Um, so if you, know, you wanna be a doctor, you go to medical school, you wanna be a lawyer, you go to law school, uh, if you want to work in scouting, there's there's no defined path um, for a lot of guys. It's you know being ex players and having those connections. So when you're done playing, uh, you know you have those connections where you can have your foot in the door. So for me, you know I'm not an ex player. Uh, didn't play in the NFL. My dad's not a a, a coach. Um, so I just decided that I was going to put myself in as many advantageous uh, opportunities to learn and grow and meet people. And so that started at Mount Union where I received my sport management degree. But honestly, I don't remember uh, a ton about what I learned in the classroom. But I, what I do remember is what I learned working for the football team uh, and how that opened doors for me. So you mentioned Pierre Garcon, he and I were seniors together. And uh, as part of the, working for the football team in the athletic department, I was in charge of taking these scouts to, uh, around campus each week because we had a, we had a ton of scouts coming in week in week out. Some would just you know for practice, some were coming for games. 
Um, and so it was my job to be their contact, take them to practice, take them around the facility, um, wh whatever they needed. And so that's where I started networking. Um, and then, you know, from there, I started paying my own way to different scouting events and um, continued building uh, my Rolodex uh, of, uh, of contacts and uh, of contacts and, and how that important that was. And so, uh, and then since my freshman year, I started doing my own, my freshman year in college in my dorm room, started doing my own draft guide. Um, and it's something that's really grown and taken off and people really, uh, really enjoy it. Um, it's, you know, helped create my own voice in this, uh, in this industry uh, and, and gain some respect. You know, there's, um, you know, a handful of teams that request it every year. Um, and, you know, obviously it does really well, uh, you know, fans uh, love it because the amount of information that's in there. So, um, you know, my, my goal was always to be in the NFL, work on the NFL side, but, uh, you know, and I flirted with the idea over the years. I've been heartbroken about not getting an NFL job that I interviewed for, but on the flip side, I've received offers that maybe I turned down because the timing wasn't right. So, you know, I never anticipated being on the media side, but, you know, I focus on the positives and, uh, you know, I, I get to, I get to cover all 32 teams and a few thousand prospects every year. Uh, I get to speculate about where, where they can end up. I get to talk about all the options. And so it's something that's really fun to talk about. There's a, a there's a hunger around the league, uh, amongst uh, each fan base, uh, about the, you know, where these guys are going to end up, what kind of pros they're going to be. And it's, it's the marriage of college and the NFL. So the, a, there's a lot of overlap there, but there are some people that are strictly college fans or some that are strictly NFL fans. And I get to be part of both worlds. And I think that's a lot of fun. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that I get to spend my day. Uh, I literally spend my day, my entire day watching tape, spending it on the phone, um, and then, you know, interact writing and then interacting with people uh, on social media and podcasts and, um, and different other media, whether it's, you know, a radio or a streaming or whatever. So it just, I get to talk about this stuff nonstop 24 seven. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. I'm very blessed to have that opportunity. The, the thing that I wanted to ask is totally not uh, professional related, but the thing that I, I've really enjoyed as we've gotten to know each other over the years is like, you, you talked about, you got to make the most of, of your day. Like there's only so many hours in a day and yeah. you got to make the most of it. And the thing that I, I love about kind of your process is like, hey, no, this is family time. Like when it gets to this point in the day, it's family time. I'm blocking everything out. I'll go back to it later in the evening. Talk about kind of how you were able to, I mean, cause it's, a, you've been working from home for, I mean, that's what you do. So right. a lot of people are kind of adjusting to that with COVID and stuff like that. But, um, you know, talk about kind of like how you've been able to, I mean, really map things out to where you get a chance to be a, a, a great dad and a great husband, you know, and that's, that's something that I think gets overlooked in a lot of this. Um, is family when it comes to like this profession in particular, uh, just because of the demands that it has. But I don't think it, you know, they're not mutually exclusive, right? Like you can still be really good at what you do and still take care of the people that are important to you. Yeah, and it's incredibly important. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's walking a fine line of having goals, having aspirations. Uh, in this business, but not while sacrificing what's really important. And, and you know, it's, it, it can be tough because, um, you know, one of my, something that I rely on is, you know, I, I just, I don't let people outwork me. Um, you know, it's something that, 
you know, I, I guarantee you there are smarter people out there than I, than me. Uh, but effort is one thing that I can control. Uh, you know, God gave me the brains that I have and I'm going to use them the best way I can. But, um, you know, it's, uh, we all have our limitations. Um, but effort is something that I'm always going to, uh, strive for in terms of giving it the most that I possibly can and sacrificing, uh, you know, my own, um, you know, things in my end, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, being able to have much of a social life or, uh, you know, whatever it is, I mean, I'm sacrificing that because, you know, family kind of takes, takes precedent. Um, and so, you know, I think something I, I learned that from, uh, and this is someone else, uh, when you asked me about, um, you know, the, the best evaluators have been around CEO Bricado, uh, who, uh, you know, another, uh, uh, an Arlington, Arlington native, uh, kind of like yourself, um, there, he would be near the top of my list. Uh, and he, something I learned from him was the importance of family. And, you know, he was a scout in the league for a long time. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us past, um, gosh, what, five years now? Uh, it, it's, it's been a handful Four, of years. years. Yeah. 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 He's, a. Uh, he's one of the best scouts in NFL history. Um, and when I was getting started in scouting, I was introduced to CEO um, and he was extremely generous with his time, uh, taking me under his wing. And it was right when his wife had passed. And so he was dealing with his own health problems. And so what I would do is I would pick him up and we would go to pro days together and basically, um, you know, shadow him and throughout the process. And I was just a sponge uh, listening to him, tell stories, talk about players. And, and this is a guy that, he invented the three cone drill. So, you know, argue, arguably the most important drill of combine. Uh, so this guy's, uh, you know, he's been around. And, um, you know, one of my favorite stories is um, I had just gone to TCU's pro day. He could not go because of his health issues. Went to TCU's pro day. I'm on my way back to Dallas. Um, I stopped at his house and gave him all my notes and all the, uh, all, all the, all the numbers from the pro day. This was, that was Andy Dalton's year. Um, and so that was what, 2011, I think. Um, and, and so I'm giving him all this information and there's a knock at the door and Gil Brandt is there. And, you know, I, I know Gil well, and, you know, he comes in and he sits down at the kitchen table with CO and I kind of back up and I just lean against the counter. And these guys have, uh, you know, like a two hour conversation about anything and everything under the NFL sun. And it was just being a fly on the wall for that was awesome. Uh, but that, getting a little off topic or away from your question, but one thing CO always talked about was the importance of family. And, um, you know, he is, he's close he was close with his daughters and, um, you know, I just, how important that was, even though you're on the road a lot, even though it's, it's a very time intensive job, how important the family aspect is. And so for me, you know, I came up with, it, it's, it's been a tough balancing act. It has not been easy, but you know, I, I've, when we started having kids, I told my wife, okay, from the time, the kids, uh, you know, get home from daycare or preschool or wherever they are, because my kids are what, three and five, um, between four and seven, four and eight, no work. I'm completely invested in the family. We're going for a bike ride or, you know, we're gonna make dinner together or, uh, you know, we'll just, uh, we'll just hang out and watch a movie, whatever it is. You know, I'm detached from everything else going on and it, whatever's happening at six o'clock, it can wait till eight o'clock. And so uh, once the kids go to bed, then I'm back in my office. I'm working from eight until I just can't keep my eyes open anymore. And so, you know, it's, it's a tough balancing act. Weekends are extremely difficult. Obviously that's when games are played, um, things like that. But at the same time, you know, I, I look, I, I, I choose to look at the positive, you know, I, 
uh, a, a positive attitude guarantees you nothing, but a negative attitude does. And so that's, I choose to use a positive attitude towards all this. And, you know, it's, we're getting to the point where I'm going to be, I'm going to have to miss some of my, you know, kids soccer games or, you know, uh, dance recitals, whatever it may end up being, that's just going to happen. But making sure that when I am with them, um, I am completely present and I'm not half there. I'm looking at my phone or I'm, my mind somewhere else. And so making sure that you're 100% there, you know, that's to me uh, something that you can control and something that's really important for your kids and for your family. Go into like the, what I was going to ask you, you know, when you start talking about Ciro Bricado, you know, going to the pro days. Initially, I was going to ask you kind of, hey, how have you developed and learned from going to the senior bowl every year, from going to the combine, from you know, getting live evaluations at pro days, that's, that's a skill that's developed because it's no different than, you know, watching tape and having a process for that. They're two completely different things, more or less, because, you know, it's kind of like drinking out of a fire hydrant. The first time you go to a game, to a fall game, and you're trying to evaluate, you know, five or six players, it's really hard. So what, what have you been able to learn from, you know, CO, you know, during the time that you're able to do that? And from your own experiences, about evaluating in person and things that that have helped you along the way get the most out of those trips. Yeah, well, it's funny because I, I can remember my first few trips. Um, I was so concerned with proving myself and you know sounding smart and trying to impress the people that I was talking to. Um, and I quickly learned like I was going about it the wrong way. Um, you know, like that's. There, there's a time for that, but when you're around these people that have been doing this for years and are immersed in the process, it's better just to shut up and listen, make sure you're asking the right questions. Um, and just being, you don't have to have all the answers. Like that's, that's not going to impress anybody. If you have an answer for every single thing they say is more impre impressive to, uh, you know, be, humble and you know honest about not maybe not knowing something and then asking a follow-up question to that and you know just uh, that that's how the best conversations as an evaluator can start uh, you know because if it's and the other thing with these you know with the senior bowl and shrine game and nflpa and live scouting especially an all-star event there's so much going on. And so I know that was, you know, you, you know, drinking out of a fire hydrant that that's, it's very apt because it's, there's, you're watching this field and they're each position groups working on, uh, working out on their own and you're hearing, uh, you know, different noises. And so your eyes constantly being drawn different places, it could be tough. And so it's, you know, it, it, you have to really focus on, uh, you know, one or two things and, um, it, you know, it's, it's spending or planning out your day. So if it's a week of practice, you're spending one day uh, with the receivers, um, you know, understanding that maybe it takes quarterbacks a few days to get settled in. So maybe you'll save quarterbacks for Wednesday or Thursday, things like that. I mean, it's something that you learn over the years. And then, you know, and, I, and I'm kind of hesitant to say this because um, it's, something that I don't want to become common knowledge. But when I go to the senior bowl, um, I, I don't spend the time in the stands. I go up to the press box. Um, and I find for me, that's the, that's the best view I can get. Uh, you know, I've, I've got my binoculars and I'm able to see everything and get a better look. It's almost like I'm watching tape because you have that, that overhead view and you can get a sense for, uh, you know, how these guys are moving, how they're doing and seeing repetition one after the other. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's something where, uh, you know, each, each year at the senior bowl, um, you know, I, I pick that third row, uh, up at the top and, um, you know, it's, uh, Ozzie Newsom's right next to me to my right. Uh, Dan Marino's usually to my left. Um, and it's something where, you know, okay, if it's good enough for them, okay. Press box good enough for me. So it's, you know, it, it, I've gone to been going to the senior bowl and all these events for 10 years now. And it's, you pick up something new every time. Um, but I will say you almost learn more, uh, you know, and this is true with the combine as well. You pick up more, uh, at night than you do, uh, during the day. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun to be part of that part of that world and constantly learning and, and uh, you know, picking up new things. Yeah. And, you know, from my own perspective, having gone to the senior bowl three or four years in a row, like I, I, I made the mistake of kind of, putting a stamp on a player for one day of practice and guys get better as the week goes on. Uh, that's the, the difficulty of kind of being on your own is that, you know, NFL teams are having one guy watch and track a single position group the whole week and they're assigned to them. They interview them, they talk to them. So from a topic standpoint, I really wanted to talk about what this year presents from a challenge perspective to scouts and to NFL teams that are trying to make decisions and, you know, right now would have been the time that scouts would have been on the road and, you know, right. at training camps of, uh, you know, college programs and watching these guys and getting body types. They've already, you know, done screening and some preliminary evaluations, but, you know, for, for most teams, senior film is paramount. Like that's, that's what people make their, you know, decisions off of. So um, I guess starting with you, how has this changed your approach uh, to this next season? Have you just dove further back into, you know, maybe sophomore film for guys that decided they're not going to play? Like the, you know, Micah Parsons already said he's not going to play, and a handful right. of other guys. How how has the the landscape changed your world so far? Honestly, not much so far, but it, you know, it's it's going to happen pretty quick. You know, for me, my process, you know, once the draft's over uh, in late April, um, you know, I spend. Uh, May kind of uh, just taking a step back and uh, then really June 1st hits and I'm right back at it diving into these the upcoming class and so I've the last three months I have been sitting down just pouring over tape uh, after tape after tape and learning about these guys and so um, being able to focus on last year's tape everything happening and going on in the world right now hasn't really affected me yet but obviously it's coming and you know in in normal years, uh, balancing talent and character, I mean, that's the never-ending battle um, of, of evaluation. Uh, so you throw in this current pandemic, and it, it's going to be tougher to understand both of those, both the talent side and the character side. So at least, you know, we have tape from last season we can rely on. That's going to be really important. That gives us an idea of the talent. But evaluating a player's makeup. Um, that, that's more than half the battle and it's just going to be a lot tougher this season, uh, you know, because you're, uh, you know, you're relying on things you've heard and not being able to make these school calls. That, that's, that's something that's going to be tough for scouts and it's going to be tougher for a lot of these younger scouts who, you know, they might not have that, that thick Rolodex at each college program, like some more uh, experienced evaluators. You know, it, it's so important to have that information. Uh, you know, that's in, in the world of scouting, information that's that, that's everything that's currency and so uh the more experienced evaluators i think they have the larger networks it's, it's a lot easier for them to acquire that information um and the last few days just kind of texting with scouts getting their 
their feedback and their uh, reactions to, okay, is the Big Ten canceling? Are they still going to play? What, what are you doing? And a lot of them just said, I'm just sitting tight. I'm, you know, I'm writing up reports on uh, the guys that I've watched. I'm doing a lot of Zoom calls. A lot of these scouts are doing Zoom calls with uh, college programs. And, you know, that's, that's really all you can do at this point. And so um, you try to learn that way. And it's just, it's so different. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really going to be interesting because right now, I mean, so far the guys that have, um, you know, opted out and declared, we've had a lot of guys uh, opt out, but not declare. Um, I think there's an important distinction there. Um, the guys that have opted out and have declared, most of them have been the first round guys. You know, you mentioned Michael Parsons from Penn state, Gregory Rousseau from the edge rusher from Miami. He's going to be uh, somewhere in the top 20 picks. Um, you know, Caleb Farley from Virginia tech. I think he's one of the best corners in the nation. He's a first round player. So um, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. You know, we've seen it in the past. Um, uh, you know, Nick Bosa, he, he was viewed as one of the best players in the country. Uh, he barely played his final year, still the number two overall pick. Um, go back to Sam Bradford, who was hurt uh, almost all of his final year at Oklahoma, still went number one. You know, it, it's happened in the past with these top prospects. Where things are going to get really interesting is if, okay, these uh, a lot of these college conferences cancel or postpone or delay, whatever, or they do start, something happens, they have to shut down. Um, and so we just don't have a lot of tape from this final year uh, or we have more opt outs and it's guys that are maybe uh, fringe third, fourth round picks, you know, guys that are borderline top 100 guys that really needed that senior film or this final year film to uh, show that they're, they're trending in the right direction. They're making some of the key uh, uh, developments that they need to become a better pro. And so um, you know, it, it's something that's going to be really tough. Um, I, I just, yeah, as someone that loves college football, I'm just, I'm just hoping that we have it, <laughs> you know, aside from, you know, my job and making things easier and things like that, you know, obviously you want everybody safe, but, you know, having college football is just, it's hard to imagine a world without it. Um, but, you know, that's where we are right now. It's just, uh, it's just to be really strange. We have to keep an open mind to everything right now. If, uh, if there is no college football this fall, and they do try to do it in the spring. How does the NFL adjust? Do they change the pre-draft calendar? Uh, you yeah. know, the senior bowl, the combine, the pro days, do they get pushed back? Um, you know, because even if we do have a spring season in college, we're going to have a few hundred guys just say, eh, I'm going to go prepare for the draft uh, because it's, you know, they, they could have a spring schedule in college football and then go straight into, you know, workouts in the draft. Like, it just doesn't make sense for a lot of guys. They're going to opt out and start training for the combine and everything. So how, what's that relationship between the NFL and college football and how they, 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 they balance that. Um, obviously college football can't really worry about too much about the NFL. They have to focus on what's best for their program and what's going to help, you know, make them money and their, their teams be safe and, and all that. So it's just, there's so many things going on with this. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to not be judgmental about it, trying to keep an open mind, trying to understand these people are trying to do what's best for everybody involved. And just, you know, hopefully we see college football this fall and hopefully that, uh, you know, we get just more tape to watch these players um, because a lot of them, they do have ways where they need to get better. And you know, one of the more fascinating ones is going to be Trey Lance. Um, North Dakota State, who had just this remarkable redshirt freshman year last season, put his name on the NFL map, 
I mean, he is viewed as a top, top quarterback prospect. Uh, if the draft were tomorrow, he'd probably be drafted somewhere top five, top seven. Um, but, you know, as, you know, only being a redshirt sophomore um, and probably not going to be able to play this year, what does he do? Does he try to transfer up to a program? I mean, that, that's, that's asking a lot without having time to immerse himself into a new program. I mean, that's probably not what's best for him. Does he, uh, you know, just go back for another year and, and put the NFL dream on hold? Does he say, well, Hey, my tape was good enough last year. And I mean, he needs to do what's best for him. And if he feels like he's not quite NFL ready, then that that's going to factor into his decision. So it, it just, there's each one of these guys has a very individual decision to make. And I think that's important to remember when it comes to the evaluation part of it from from our perspective and I think the the biggest takeaway in, in my mind is like the the calendars right like like how does the NFL adjust and, and mirror match uh what the colleges have to do and the one thing you know last question before I let you go um you know the one thing that is common between the NFL and colleges right now is that we can't go on the road recruiting and they yeah. and NFL teams right now aren't sending guys out on the road because hey there's no fall camps going on so like you said there's a lot of zoom calls going on i'm the pro liaison here so we're having a bunch of those you know scheduled moving forward but with whether you're a college recruiter or an nfl scout and you're making these calls to evaluate the character and the makeup what's some advice um, for someone that has been having to do this for a while now um, you know basically recruiter scout over the phone um, what, what's some advice on like questions to ask, how to really like listen and get the most out of those conversations, even when you don't necessarily know somebody, because it's easy if, if I call you and I ask you, hey, what do you think about X, Y, Z? I know you, we've got a trust factor and a relationship, but when you're calling someone blind, yeah, that gets tough. And that's, that's what you were talking about earlier with younger scouts are really gonna be the ones that have the biggest struggle during this time because they may or may not have that same level of connectivity, you know, in their area. Right. And so, yeah, it's, I think it just comes down to asking the right questions. Um, you know, making sure you're not, you're not wasting any of your time with, with the wrong questions. And, um, it, it goes, you know, it comes down to the whole work smarter, not harder. Uh, you know, I talked about effort and how important that is before, but it's also important to be efficient and, you know, you don't have to, um, you know, uh, simply outwork people just for the sake of doing them. I mean, you, you can work smarter and how important that is. Uh, and so it's important to focus on the right, the right players, the right prospects, you know, don't chase ghosts um, and understanding what's key for your organization. You know, what are the, uh, you know, I talked about being simplistic and how we tend to overcomplicate things. Um, you know, I think, you know, scouting comes down to one simple objective, identifying translatable traits, three words, that's what scouting is. Identify translatable traits. And when you're talking to someone, uh, a, a recruit or a prospect, being present of that and understanding, okay, you know, what is he saying and how does that fit with, uh, you know, what we're doing with our organization, um, asking him what he need, needs to get better at, what are his strengths. And just, um, I, I, one thing I love to do when I talk to players is talk about their teammates. Um, you know, so, and that's obviously easier to do with, uh, you know, in Ohio state or in Alabama where there's so many guys. Um, but you know, if I'm uh, talking with, um, uh, you know, Ohio state, I'm talking to tough Borland, one of their linebackers, 
Um, and I ask him, you know, and somehow I, you know, get around to talk about Baron Browning, one of the other linebackers who's just super athletic, super, you know, just a physical specimen, but uh, maybe the mental side hasn't caught up yet. You know, finding out about other players through their teammates, you know, that's important. Um, you know, and it's, uh, I think I've learned that I don't, you know, what to be turned off by. You know, like I remember when I first started doing this, I'd be turned off by too much ego. And then, you know, I was talking to a scout about that. And he said, I, I love ego. I, I, I prize ego. Uh, you know, all the best performers um, that he's, I've ever scout, uh, scouted or coached, they had a ton of ego to spare. So then I, I quickly learned that maybe ego is not a bad thing, you know, in terms of a personality trait, that's, it's, it's, it's up in the air. But in terms of scouting and getting the best football players um, and what fits, uh, ego is not a bad thing. So, you know, it's, it's all about, comes down to understanding what your organization is looking for, asking the right questions and just being efficient with the time. Dude, I appreciate you for, for taking the time out of your day to, to talk with us. And uh, before I let you go, you know, where can our listeners find you, follow you? I know you're, you're not just on your own podcast, but you're also doing one with friend up, you're right. Yeah. The, the Eagles brought me on a uh, part of their podcast, um, uh, weekly podcast breaking down scouting with uh, Ben Fennell and Fran Duffy so that's been fun uh, my podcast prospects of pros we're gonna about to kick it up here in a little bit Lance Zerline is going to be my new co-host this year um, which uh, is not public information yet so I think it just broke that news um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at DP Brugler all my work is on The Athletic um, hopefully you know people We'll check it out if you don't have a subscription yet. There's free trials and all that. So please check out the work. Um, I, I promise you, if you're if you're interested in the NFL draft at all, uh, you will not be disappointed with uh, what we have on the site and, and everything else. So um, you know, hopefully people are able to uh, check it out and see if it's for them. Hey, Amen. You have a good one. I appreciate you. Anytime. Thanks, Alex.